All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to yet another episode of the Ashish David Show. Um, of late, you know, I have been blessed. I think all my stars are aligned perfectly because uh, I'm getting the absolutely most gorgeous and wonderful women from all around the world. And uh, well, uh, without any further ado, I would like to get to my guest today. But before that. I got to tell you about the show. Now, the show is basically about uh, me having conversations with wonderful, lovely, everyday people who are doing some great stuff, and that's it. You get to hear their life journey and their story, and hopefully, you know, it inspires you to kind of relook at your situation and see what can you do better. And with that, I have today's guest. Her name happens to be Laurie Beth Robbins. She also likes to be called LBR. Besides being like this gorgeous lady, uh, she's a writer. She's a speaker. You know, uh, she's got a, a story where basically she she survived. You know, a very difficult and a tight situation. Uh, she's very passionate about um, you know international sex trafficking and slavery. And besides all that, food is 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 like you know something she's very passionate about. She's a chef. And I think she reviews food and wine. I'm I'm not really sure about that, but well, that's why we are here to you know get all our uh, questions answered. So welcome, Laurie Beth Robbins, to the Ashish David Show. Thank you so much. I am so grateful. It is one of these, as I say, it's one of these that it's wonderful to be here on many levels because first, it's an honor. You interview so there's so much diversity. You have people all over the world who are doing so many interesting things. So to be in that pack, I am humbled and delighted. So thank you. And also, not only are you hilarious, but I'm not sure which is better, the lovely introduction or your voice. With all of your voice work and Nat Geo and singing and all that you do, your voice is just a gift. So if I can even brush up against that and have a little bit of time and share it with someone with that voice, oh, that'll make my day. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Laurie, uh, I'm I'm so delighted to have you because, uh, you know, there is, uh, so I have a lot of guests, but there's something very particular about you that I like, uh, and I'll tell you what it is straight up. Uh, you know, you've got this aura of uh, someone who's always very positive and full of energy. The moment, you know, I, I got in touch with you, I was like, man, I, I need to get her on this show. So, so how does it feel to be a part of this, like, experience? How, how are you feeling right now from inside? So to be here is an experience that I'll never have again, because even if I'm on your show again, it will never be the exact same as that one moment. So every moment you have is a one time. There's no sunrise that is exactly like the same sunrise. Laurie, as you just said, uh, a very wonderful thing. I'm reminded of uh, a quote. I think it's from either Gautama or the Buddha, or it is from Osho, one of, one of the two. And what they say is, in the same rivers, we walk and don't walk. So yeah. it might be the same river in the evening when you, you know, walked near the shore. But uh, when you come the next morning, everything in the river has changed. Maybe you think you're in the same place, but everything has changed. I never say, why me? I never, ever say, oh, I have all the love. Why did that happen? Why not me? Okay, why not me? Maybe it happened because I'm a good translator to teach someone this information. Or maybe, why not me? You know, I, I don't ask why me, and no, even if it's a little thing or a very horrible thing, it is what it is. It happened. I think we waste a lot of time um, having self-indulgent pity parties about it. So I think we have to ask, okay, 
why not me? There's a reason, and I'm being summoned to stand up a little taller or be a little stronger or reach somebody else. Maybe that's what it's about. Maybe it's not about me. And sometimes we have to go to that other place too. It could be bigger than our almighty ego. Absolutely. So, Laurie, for people you know who don't know anything about you, I know a little bit about you, uh, and I've told them a little bit about you. But how would you describe Laurie Beth Robbins or LBR to somebody who doesn't know anything about you? Yes, I would say that I'm a lover of life, but I am a writer and I'm a speaker about motivational, upbeat doings. But I am a former private chef and wine tasting conductor. I'm a wine connoisseur which I think is just a fussy term for somebody who drinks exceptionally well. But I did conduct a lot of wine tastings where I would demystify all of that snooty enophilia and break down wine etiquette and teach people how you hold your glass, how you food and wine pair, what the etiquette is uh, with all of it, how you properly taste wine. And so it goes. And in so doing, a lot of that passion for life for evoking that taste and all of the senses and sitting down together again in the pandemic, a lot of people who suddenly couldn't go to restaurants learned to cook. They sat with their family. And so as a person who formerly conducted these tastings and taught people all about wine and food and did private chefing, I'm taking all of that forward with motivation and peppering it in with the same attitude and the same gratitude that while you're here, you should eat the food, you should drink the wine, you should, if you do drink wine, not everyone should drink wine, but if it serves them, but you should toast to life and you should celebrate life. I want to make a difference. I want to be part of the good. I really do. And part of the solution in this world. And if I can even get someone to feel a little bit differently in their day or feel a little better or look at things a little differently or maybe laugh. I always say you have to bring the honey and the funny. We need love and we need laughter. And I think now more than ever, we need those things. I really do. I think the world is very hungry for love and for laughter. And we have to remember to do both. And so I'm a person who does that through speech and through writing and now pushing with my taken story where I was a very lucky woman. And so one thing I'm doing now is taking that to film and going through the process of looking at screenwriters and aligning with the right people to pitch that to the big screen, my story, to inspire, inform, and also entertain, albeit in a closer to reality way and show them about some of the things that we don't always see in Hollywood and hopefully do it very smartly and poignantly. Laurie, I want to know, you know, uh, I want to start like your journey when like, you know, your younger years, you know, when you were growing yes. up, uh, which city were you, you know, growing up in? What was uh, family life like? What was the city like? Tell us about your younger years a little bit. Okay, well, I grew up in what's called the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, which is so north. It is two hours south of Montreal, Canada. So you're talking very, very north and very, very cold. So we're talking about four foot snowbanks and freezing, freezing weather. And yeah, not, not, not the weather you're having right now at all. But it's, yeah, very, very cold, very, very north and very bucolic and beautiful. That's where we have colored foliage and the trees in the fall, but very limited culture wise. And so I was very lucky to be just two hours from Montreal because my parents did whatever they could to expose us to culture, to take us to Canada to see an art museum or 
to see something because where we lived, we saw cows and we saw, you know, it was a very limited, we saw mountains, we saw cows and, but the salt of the earth people, real people. And I always say that where I grew up, we, it was such a small town that everyone knew everybody else's business. They just bought the local paper to see if they got caught in it. But where I grew up, it was very, very small. And yet you understand at a young age by growing up in that small environment that you never know who you're talking to. And you should treat everybody with the same respect, the same dignity. You know, what is that meme that, that circulates on social media? Be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. And I always say, because they are. They are a somebody. So, of course, you know, I was raised where, of course, you know, the, the, the garbage man, I'm out there hugging the garbage man. I'm out there inviting the male lady to come in and try my kangaroo steak or whatever I've made. So, you know, I think you, you grow up in a small area, you get a sense of community and you realize that if you're going to get through the hard conditions of the weather and the climate, you're going to do it together. When I was six years old, and we're in the mountains of Vermont, and they are middle-income, humble people, both of them working, not of, of high means, but very, very smart, very cultured, very loving. I always say when you meet someone, they should have a little dose of you in their day. When they leave, when they hug you on the street, or they talk to you in a Starbucks, or they have you at their home or go to your home, when they leave or they, they Skype with you, they should later say, you know, I, and, and some part of you, your energy should have stuck with them. And I think that's like the spices of the food. You'll still taste a little bit of that different paprika that was real as opposed to the bland one or something lingers with you. Do you cook, by the way? or Yes, a little bit, yes. Yes. And so, and do you make your traditional dishes or do you make American food or what do you make? Pretty much the traditional dis dishes, uh, you know, I love to make uh, pulses, uh, vegetables, you know, yes. curries. Yeah, oh, so, so delicious. And so do you feel with the spices that it does make a difference? In other words, getting a better quality of even just one spice can take it to another level. Like Absolutely. I, I do this with pepper. Pepper is not just pepper. You can have good pepper and you can have extraordinary pepper that's so pungent and just the aroma is, it transports you somewhere else. Yeah, what I feel about food is that, you know, the devil lies in the details, you know? Yes. So, so, yeah. so as many ingredients and as many processes that there are uh, to yeah. make a final dish, you know, um, I'm the believer that, you know, the more time it takes to make a dish, uh, the better quality it will be. So there are certain, you know, dishes, uh, Laurie, in India, where you need to marinate the meat for a certain amount of time. Then you need to add a certain dash of, uh, you know, like a few ingredients and then you need to cover it up and then you need to sometimes even bury it underground. Um, yeah, oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, so things like that, you know, so... Uh, that's what I believe. And of course, like the quality of spices makes all the difference. I mean, you yeah. could have the best meat, you could have the best beef or chicken or mutton or lamb, you know, but uh, yeah. if the spices are not there, it's like uh, you're trying to paint a picture, but your colors aren't working. Yes, yes, I think that's true. And I think it's like people too, that here's this wonderful human being, but they're not giving their warmth and they're not giving any love and they're not remembering to laugh and they're not. 
and the spice isn't there. It's dull. It's it's not engaging. It's not something that adds a little flavor. And I think that we all, I think we all should be adding flavor to this world. I think we should be. I think we all have our own way to add flavor. But I agree with you that the more love that is put into something, it also makes you so proud when you eat it. It's a little more of a celebration. You know what went into that and you know how much time and how laborious it was and how many dishes you used and inside and outside. and and it makes it, there's a sense of accomplishment and there's a sense of gratitude. I think it's important, as you say, the more that you put into it, and it's the same in life, the more that you put, you can't rush your dream. You can't rush your goal. You can't rush your, you know, I think it was the late, great Wayne Dyer or, or one of the motivational gurus who said that it will take as long as it will take. It will get done when it will get done. You can't put a, a, an expiration date on your on your goal to, to a certain level of, of you're going to work, you're going to put it in, and it will be what it will be. And it may get done very quickly, or it may not. If only my clients would listen to what you just said. <laughs> because I love my it. Clients, well, maybe they'll watch. My maybe clients can be such a me. pain in the ass. Uh, uh, you know, Laurie, they're like, oh, no, we need to get it done by 4 a.m., by 4 p.m. And I'm like, okay, fine, yeah. I'm on it, I'm on it. Why? Right, all right. <laughs> Private chefing. I like when someone wants you to do your art, your exotic, beautiful art, as opposed to, okay, just just do the cheapest thing. Just just get the cheapest thing. Because when you when you do that and you put all these restrictions on it, I then say, why bother to hire so why why bother to even do it if you right. just want them to quickly throw it together? So your point is a really valid one. And I think too for clients or people that don't you want the best quality put in and it will get done when it will get done? I mean, within reason, you're not going to take longer than you have to and you just drag it out. You know, I always say, find out what color eyes somebody has. You know, are we even looking at people or are we looking at our phone and at people and at our, are we even, can we leave every liaison and say, I know what color eyes they have. I actually looked at the person while they were speaking and I think we've lost that in the text era. I think we've stopped looking at people. We've stopped using our words. Everything is LOL or abbreviations. <laughs> you know, I think we speak in hashtags. You know, yeah. I, I think that things have really been dumbed down. Now, on the flip side of that, conversely, of course, we have wonderful technology where you can reach someone in India at the same time that you're in New Hampshire on the East Coast in the United States of America. And that is fantastic and i love that so i love technology for that reason it's so innovative and it's mind-boggling to believe that we can do this and see each other on the other side of the world at the same time i think it goes back to that rushing and as you say the more steps that are put into it the same thing with writing to someone with whole words uh, <laughs> and, and seeing somebody you know and so i think we we have to put a little more effort and love and time in and not rush and maybe just maybe coming out of the pandemic the world will do that even a modicum differently Laurie, tell us a little bit about you know your uh, journey as a student uh, you know, your education side and, yes. you know, how things were um, when you started off your career, what you were doing, uh, you know, what what time of, of, of like, which decade was it, uh, you know, yes. how was the culture like in your city? Tell us a little bit about that time as well. Yes. 
All right. So I have been very, very lucky to live all over the world, not India yet, but I have uh, certainly been, you know, lived on both coasts and been in both Washington's and Seattle and Washington, D.C., our capital and lived in South Beach, Miami and had a very interesting tour de force, so to speak, doing my food and wine doings in tandem with uh, teaching public speaking on the college level to college students and teaching mass communications. And so I would do that as an adjunct professor part-time and also do wine tastings and private chefing. And so some of my teaching was in Massachusetts. I currently live about an hour's drive from Boston. So I'm in New Hampshire on the East Coast, but it's about an hour in the car to Boston, a little over, a little over that. And I taught for a while in Massachusetts. And one of the, that was one of the best experiences for me was teaching students. A lot of them were refugees who came from Sierra Leone and Bulgaria and Cambodia. And talk about struggle. We all have some kind of drama or trauma. We all have had something happen to us. And it's about our attitude if we're going to live as a victim or a victor. But these students came to the United States from so much tragedy and from so much struggle, things that many Americans only see in a documentary film. And we have no idea that that's a reality half of the time. And these students had such a magnificent attitude and so much, they were so embedded with gratitude to be there, to have an education. That when you're teaching speech and, and speech, uh, English was not their first language for many of them. And they would stand right up with the assignment and do their best to learn. They wanted to be confident speakers. They wanted to master the English language. And comparatively, I had some American students who I sometimes wanted to say, hey, look at this person from Nigeria who is standing up here with their not their first language, you know. But I think that that was definitely one of the most rewarding experiences for me. So I had um, gone and gotten my bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism and video performance. And instead of taking that and going off and being on the news and pursuing a career as an anchor person, I wanted something more interactive where I could pass that on. I, I, I really love seeing someone else get the enthusiasm that's why everything i do if i can know that someone even sat down to the dinner table tonight and said oh you know what i heard today or you know what even if it just made them think a little differently so for me to just sit and talk to a box and be on the news for me would have felt limiting even though i'm not trivializing what these wonderful journalists do and all the hard work they do but for me, I wanted to take the speaking skills and take what I had learned and try to foster someone else to get up there and empower them with some confidence to pass it forward. There's a lot of death happening. There were, I think, at the maximum in my city, um, there were like 28,000 deaths in a day, which has now come down to around 1,600. What, what would you like to you know, say to the people who are like watching you right now, Laurie? That if we were on an airplane that was going down and ready to crash. I would like to believe in my heart, soul, and might that we would come together and we would want everybody to be safe. We would want everybody to live on that plane. We would not waste time saying, who did you vote for? How do you feel about the vaccine? Did you take the jab? Do you wear the mask? Do you, oh, you can get out of the plane. You're not gonna, I want you to crash. I went, 
I would like to believe that if a plane was going down with all of us on it, that we would put our separations and our differences aside. We would embrace so much love and so much courage and so much smarts and not waste time when life is so fragile. And here's the thing. I believe the plane is going down. I believe we're on that plane. And if we do not come together globally and especially nationally here and community wise and individually, if you don't solve it in your heart, soul and might, as I say, first, if you cannot be a happy person within and treat people with dignity and treat people with respect, especially when they think differently than you or they eat differently than you or they have a different religion or political party or sexual orientation or whatever it is. It is not our job to play God and decide this one should live. This one doesn't have a right to live, whatever it be. I would like to believe that we would put our differences aside and not wait literally for another pandemic, another atrocity, another plane going down, another violent episode, another tragedy, personally, collectively. Life is short. The time to live is now and the time to love is now. Absolutely. And this is, uh, you know, a very good time if you have grudges against someone or if you don't get along with someone or if you had a bad tiff or a fallout with someone. This would be, a, a, I think, a good time to like, you know, sort of send them a DM or a message or an iMessage, yes. you know, like, I hope you're doing well. Write your mother. Send a text message to someone. Tell someone you're sorry. And if you can't do it directly or you don't want it, it's too uncomfortable, do it silently. Say a prayer or a wish or whatever comfortable phrase you, you want to believe in that I let it go now. I let it go. And the, and, and the energy will do what the energy will do. Whether this person ever feels it, it doesn't matter. You will. So in this time, uh, Laurie, are you able to get out much? Um you know, it's very different state to state still. So we still have some states in the United States that are opening in June. They're opening more restaurants. I'm in New Hampshire where we stopped our mask mandate, so we don't have to wear masks. But some towns still have the option to choose to say, well, we want this area to do it. And they've chosen that. Uh, many people have chosen the vaccine. And so a lot more people are going out more. I am not going out more. Uh, the work that I'm doing as far as writing and everything I'm pushing is very, it's far more conducive to, to staying in. So even during the lockdown last year, believe it or not, I was so productive and I was, you know, I also noticed that everyone was rushing to buy toilet paper, but nobody, <laughs> but nobody was buying the lobster. So I said, aha. So I was getting all of this wonderful gourmet stuff and all the prices were marked way down because the stores were like, no one's buying it because everyone's stocking up on 10,000 rolls of toilet paper. So I bought beautiful food. I counted my blessings. I felt so lucky. I did writing. I did video. I used the time inside. And now that we can go out a little more. I am ensconced in all of these projects that I started where I think, well, why would I go out? I mean, now I'm writing, I'm, I'm recording, I'm just, it behooves me to sit right where I am. So I, I like being in, and maybe that's something I learned through the pandemic too, that I like getting into my projects and staying in and, and cooking at home. And 
I love that and having the wine and the music and all of it. So, but I, we are starting little by little to open more. And what about you? It's very interesting by contrast to see how we are in different parts of the world. As far as masks, as far as anger with divisiveness, how people believe about the vaccine or no vaccine, a mask, no mask, is the anger as prevalent or is that is everyone in a good mood and lovely to each other about all of it? Does everyone agree? Well, uh, here, um, pretty much mostly everybody is uh, going for the vaccine. Mostly people are. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm taking my own time. I'm kind of like, yeah. you know, giving it a little more time. Also, in my personal sort of health journey, I want to be at a certain place before I, you know, take that risk of getting myself vaccinated. So I'm still yes. like kind of taking my own time. And I think, I think it, it'll be very silly if, you know, everybody's kind of forced into doing something or not doing something. I yes. think it should be I left. I think it should be left uh, for the individual to make their own choice. Uh, because you know i mean like like they might say that right 99.9 percent .9 of the people will be all right somebody might get affected but hey what if you're that somebody right right i agree with you and i yeah. i'm on the same page i am choosing not to have the vaccine and that's not for me but right. i ask you about the the anger is there is there vehemence and anger where you are or are people not very really. respectful there is there is uh zero room for anger because so many people are dying you know like we are yeah. actually experiencing the opposite of anger which is probably fear we are like you know yeah. uh, because because the amount of people in india who are not educated uh, lorry who yeah. are uh, who are uh, in you know rural areas where there might even be no internet there's a huge yeah. population of india which is uh, under underprivileged they are living below the poverty line you know so i'm probably like part of maybe like the two or three or five percent of people who are in cities who are well to do who are doing well for themselves but a majority of india is uh uneducated like they have i mean before coronavirus came you know we had so many other issues like you know lack of jobs lack of money hunger disease you know yes. already they like employment economy going down so many like things were already here and now the coronavirus has happened and you know most people like can you imagine if if a huge part of the country doesn't have access to technology how do you even tell yeah. them that there is a disease right right but then and so they're not angry at each other though not but really. some, there is fear but there's fear and there concern is, there is a lot of yeah. fear um you know people are losing lives like you know young people are dying old people are dying there are uh, as a matter of fact recently uh, so the state of maharashtra is where bombay is bombay is yes. like the kind of hub of you know the bollywood film industry so to speak yeah. so in maharashtra uh, a recent survey said that 108 uh, 190 kids lost at least one parent and around 108 people lost both and these are children under the age of five yeah so uh, yeah. you know like yeah. anger is like i think the last thing on their mind right now they're yeah. just like yeah. uh sort of uh trying to remain safe and trying to avoid yeah. the disease but then if you think of you know slums and places uh where even housing is not you know proper right right so i mean like the control of disease over there is i mean it's just rampant everybody's getting it very, very sad. Very sad. And so as far as going out more where you are or as far as people 
matriculating the way that they did is any of that feeling a little more like normal now or is everyone just uh, staying in? so so this third wave okay um I think it peaked about two or three weeks back, and now it's kind of on the way down. So, okay. the highest number of cases, new reported cases in a day, were like twenty-eight thousand in my city. Yeah, uh, and now it's come down to around sixteen uh, hundred or something. It was yesterday, yeah. so so it's going down. So what they're saying, so 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 the city has been, uh, you know, in a lockdown. Most of the country, as a matter of fact, has been yeah. in a lockdown for about uh, a month and a half, two months. So we're just waiting that you know things get better and people yes. can go out and you know do their work because uh, I mean like yeah. so many people are, are daily wage workers you know like they have yes. little yeah. little shops where they're selling food or you know they they're making road roadside food you know street food and stuff yes. like that shops uh rickshaw pullers you know yes. small shop yes. owners medium and small businesses like you know they they just don't have any income so sad, and yet this is where I really feel it's critical to take the good attitude, at least, because if we can't be grateful and come together and have a good attitude, we already have the inconveniences, we already have the concern, we already have the tragedy, we already have the fear. So why put anger or divisiveness or any of that in there? You know. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you are not around a a tempo of anger but it's also tragic and very sad to hear about the reality of the deaths and and so forth but i am an eternal optimist and my hope is really that things not only improve on the surface level of numbers and all of that but the attitude the community the the heart the people coming together the gratitude and I agree with you. I hope that it does not become some draconian error where era where people are forced to do things against their will. I hope that we uphold liberties to that level that people people can choose what they do with their own bodies. And but and you know, unfortunately, what I'm hearing is that uh, like countries like Spain, they are going to open up. I think from the seventh of next month. And uh, what Spain has announced is that uh, they are going to allow people. Uh, to visit the country because apparently they are the second most visited country before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And uh, tourism is a, is a big industry there. And what they are saying is from the 7th of uh, next month, they'll allow anybody who's had a vaccine. That's kind of also saying yeah. that if you don't have the yeah. vaccine, you won't be allowed. Right. Yes. And the talk of the rest of, of Europe also that people who are vaccinated and so this and so it begins and so it begins and how far what precedence does it set if this is the beginning so i think that those are the, those are disconcerting you know it, it is very alarming to think that way but but i still uphold faith in people and in humanity and that we will uphold someone's right to treat their body the way that they wish to treat their body and their own health care and their own choices for health. But I think we must choose a proactive, healthy attitude. And I think we must choose proactively to be kind. And that I, you know, I always say no matter what we're moving through, struggles or wonderful times or not so wonderful times, we all can share the universal tenet of being kind. Could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, uh, your side of the world? Because a lot of people yeah. who are like, you know, watching this don't know anything about your city, you know, about your yes. side of the country. They want to know m more about that. Yes. Well, it's very interesting because the East Coast, of course, uh, as I said, I'm about an hour from Boston in a car if you're driving from Boston. 
And yet Boston being a major city, when you come up to New Hampshire, we are famous. Well, now we're famous for motorcycles and tattoos and country music, but, or you would think. But really what we're famous for in our state of New Hampshire is our state motto of live free or die. And so people take their civil liberties very seriously here in New Hampshire. It's a renegade state and it is not for the faint of heart. People want their freedoms. They want to do what they want to do. Now, that being said, many, many people have gotten vaccinated. Many people are pro-mask. Many people are feel one way. It, it isn't that everyone in the state believes one thing or another, but there is a strong pulse in New Hampshire for that motto, live free or die, and people would rather have their freedoms. There's a very strong influence. Conversely, when you look at California, or you look at uh, places where there's a lot of actors filming or a lot of people working through protocols, working through a lot of conditions, a lot of restrictions, masks and mandates and places that are still not open on many levels. And it's it's a very different energy. And in New Hampshire, people would rise up and just get adamant about that. It's live free or die. And it's really but it's a very small you're talking about maybe 1.4 million people in the state. You're talking about a very small state in New England and very cold in the winter and very like Vermont where I grew up. And so you're talking about the cold Northeast of the United States and it can be very limited culture wise compared to the larger cities. You're not living, it's not New York City. It's not anything like that. But at the same time, it's very beautiful. It's very bucolic. And I think that there is a sense of, of community. I really do. I think in New England, a lot of people, maybe because of the weather and the climactic conditions, do come together. And this whole pandemic has made people, if nothing else, even if they don't agree, it has made everybody pretty spirited about it. I think everybody has an opinion. So whether it's this opinion or that opinion, I think we all feel very passionately, very strongly. I don't think anyone is really asleep at the wheel here. I think everyone is very woke. You know, they're very awake. They're very interested in the news, interested in what's going on, interested in what the laws are going to be. But we're talking about a very small state, but a very fiery one. And I, and a very, I call it a renegade state because it's, it's uh, very different with their mantra. And they really do care about their liberties very strongly here, I believe. So, and I had a friend who was traveling last year before the lockdown got so tight where you couldn't travel as much. And she was shocked to come to New Hampshire and see that not everybody had a mask on and not, you know, she had been in Ohio or the middle of the United States. And she said, everyone was, you know, masked and just not going anywhere. And she came to New Hampshire and saw people walking into stores and, and it is not that laissez-faire if you will but it definitely there there is an onslaught of people here who care very much about that live free or die do not tell me my freedoms do you know that there's there's definitely that presence and that is in tandem with those who are very happy to comply with the rules as well so i i think there's definitely a, a presence of both i think it's it, it's really too early like you know like i mean this virus has just been around for a year yeah. You know, and and I feel like as time goes by, we'll find a way to sort of you know um, come to terms with the fact that uh, there is 
going to be a solution because i refuse yeah. i refuse to believe that you know our human dna or our yeah. human species as such uh, you know is um, is not strong enough or is not you know capable of uh, fighting this i i believe yeah. i i don't think that that is the truth um if we manage to survive so many pandemics you know yes. if we manage to survive so many ups and downs you know down the years i mean there was a time when you know rocks of fire used to fall on the surface of yeah. earth and yeah. we survived that yeah so even if this even if this virus is you know man made or god knows right. who came up with it i mean really i are, are you telling me that i i need an injection to kind kind of right right you know i i would like to believe that we are resilient we are strong we yes. are and a lot of it is in that formidable weapon it is up here it is in the head it is in the attitude it is in the brain it is it is about our attitude a lot of it is and i think that fear can can take over somebody and and all that but i agree with you that if when people talk about science or they talk about this you're very right and astute to say that it, this is new this is not all known uh what what is to say that just after one year that we are experts on on what all of these things are and so i would like to believe that we are resilient human beings and that there will be further education on you know that this is not just a fly by night okay that solves it so there there should yeah. be some resolve and i would like to optimistically believe that as well and moreover resolve in our attitudes and that now that we're being let out of lockdowns and so forth that people won't just run out a lot of people have now that they feel they're vaccinated they can go hug everybody and they can go do everything and they they feel that that is a free hall pass for them but i think that it behooves us to do due diligence and learn what we can and take the best care of ourselves that we can and be as kind and and slay the anger drop the the anger and come together and and be the resilient human beings that we came into this world to be you got some good opinions there as far as you know politics and stuff is concerned uh, could you tell me how uh, you know it was from your perspective uh, when the the previous uh, you know president of the america america like sort of united yeah. states uh, was there and then the new president who's come in what are your sort of views on both those uh, sort of yeah. climates in well, the country again coming back to the divisiveness that this country is at its absolute surfeit of anger we see this on social media it's very prevalent we see people unfriending and blocking family and friends from childhood because you voted differently or because you wanted you liked trump you didn't like president trump you like biden So my opinion is that sadly neither one neither president can do anything right because it, right now <laughs> the they 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 it's it's very tragic they both came in at a very uh the, the divisiveness is so thick and it is so high that there is vehemence on both sides and as much as each side would like to say no it's only the right wing or it's only the left wing that's angry it is absolutely both sides it is everyone who is vehement it is everyone who is who is angry and therefore the the people who did not like president trump are going to say that some have said that the corona virus is because of president trump they've said that it's his fault some who uh, don't like president biden are saying that now the way, the reason things aren't healed or the re- is because of president biden so 
I think that we've got to go back, as I said, when I was growing up, I, I grew up in a very political household, and I had a father who was a uh, vor voracious about politics and also was a college professor who taught political science to college students. But he was very, very active uh, with the state and, and in the state house with, with meetings and things, too. And, and I grew up with a lot of it and met all the candidates and was dragged since I was a child to go meet people running for, for everything. And again, we had every walk of life in our house. We had Republicans, we had Democrats, we, and there was a respect. And you, we'd even joke, there was humor, that I have to go vote to counteract your vote. And I have to, and there was a, there was a joke. But then we would sit down to dinner together. It was the damnedest thing. You see, we would eat together. And there was respect and there was kindness. That does not exist today. And so what I think is that we can't even, we've got to come back to the ability to respect somebody else's freedom of what you will do, as we've said, with the body, with your own health. That certainly is your prerogative. It's none of my business what you choose to do for your health, nor should I play God and tell you what you should be doing with this. And the same thing with a liberty like voting. I believe we have got to slay this divisiveness and come together and, and not be blaming, you know, these ad hominem attacks where suddenly, as I say, neither president can do anything right because there's an old expression, if they walked on water, the, everyone would say that's because he can't swim. All right. They, they're not even going to let the person, they, they cannot do anything right at this part. Sure, for their fans, they can. But I think universally, as far as en masse in the country, there is way too much blame and way too much vehemence and vitriol and spewing and unnecessary anger on both sides. So unfortunately, when you ask me, it, it did not go away when we got another president. The anger is still there. The vehemence is still there. The divisiveness is still there. The only thing that's different is now this party has a turn and they can say, this is so much better than before and the other party can say no it was so much better before and so even more divisiveness can swing back and forth so i think i again i keep coming back to the pandemic but i would hope that the pandemic would help even with the political vehemence to show people tomorrow could be gone tomorrow could be changed if you're going to blame you know i, I always look at the the president or commander in chief Again, I guess years ago, getting my student pilots, taking my student pilots exam, I, I guess that's why I always think planes. We're on a plane. We're always on a plane. But <laughs> I, I think of the commander in chief as the captain pilot of, of a plane. And I, I believe that, do you really want to send bad energy and hate the person who's flying the plane you're on? I don't think that's healthy. I think whether you voted for this president or the, the previous president, this is the commander in chief. And I do not believe that by hating and, and, and festering and sending and putting memes up and yelling on social media and, and screaming about someone who has to lead our safety. I don't think that's a healthy thing to do, whether you voted or not for this person. I think that you need to honor they are the commander in chief. Our safety is in this person's hands to many degrees. I think we have to come together. We have to come together. And as I said years ago, we wanted the same things or similar things. We just disagreed with how to get there. And now 
what one person wants, someone else doesn't want. What one person says is a freedom, someone says, no, there's nothing free about that. That's a violence or no. So we can't even agree on what on our list of desires, but I think we've got to. And I think we have to come together and it's it's healthy and fine to disagree, but we can do it civilly. We can do it without blocking and deleting and throwing out people. And we need to sort of look at life right now like seasons, you know. There will be a season of A political party, then there'll be a season of political party B. And, uh, you know, just like the highs and lows, um, there will always be a, 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 you know, a valley and a peak. And if you actually look look at the bigger picture, even even your whole life is just a moment. There are seasons of change, and what are you going to do? Lose your mind? Lose your lose your soul? Lose your life? Lose your time? Waste your time every day marching around yelling? Things change. Nothing is forever. Unfortunately, not even the good in life is forever, and that's why we should celebrate it while we're here and while it's here. If you have one of these light switch people who can turn it on and off like a light switch, they weren't your real friends anyway. Even this coronavirus and everything that's happening is is going to be a phase. I hope we yes. discover that, you know, in, in the months and years to come, that this was just a part of our life. And that's it. It's gone. Yeah. Let's just be optimistic yeah, no. about this, you know, and not, uh, you know, start hating people who are taking the vaccine, not, you know, hating people right. who are not taking the vaccine, right, you know, right. jumping to sides, being of such strong opinions. I mean... It's a very short yeah. life that we have, you know, and as as in my city, you can see there's so many people dying all over the world. Uh, before yeah. you know it, you know, it could all just be over. So you you might as well just, you know, sort of make peace and tell me, Laurie, like, you know, how interesting would it be if all of us were the same? I know, right? Wouldn't that, I mean, it, it'll, we it'll have to have a boring. little bit of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's why I say when I grew up, the dinner conversations of such different opinions we laughed, we laughed, we, we joked with each other and we listened and we respected that someone had a point that was, and we could say, well, I don't want to vote for that person. I disagree, but I hear you. I, I hear that. We, and, and again, there was a lot more commonality in what we wanted. So I think if we came together and realized, don't we all want our children to be safe? Don't we all want water and and plumbing and health and a roof over our head? Don't we all want, if we could look at what we do have in common, and if we could come together more on that globally and certainly nationally here, but also individually, instead of jumping on social media and saying, oh, this person supported this president or this person won't get a vaccine or this, how about you say, oh, but they're very kind and look at what they did with this or or we both love you know food or we both have a dog or we both talk about art or we've lost even the communicative um the the ability to find other commonalities and so we're so focused on what we don't have in common that we're missing the fact that we're all human we all have a heart we all want to be acknowledged we all want to be seen we all want to feel valued we all want love we all want touch we learned in the pandemic we've missed even physical contact and a hug and i think that if we could come to that and say look as you said this life is very short we can take a piece of paper and list all kinds of things we have differently from each other or we could count a lot of things that we probably have more in common than we know 
And you know, uh, adding to what you just said, uh, Laurie, I'd like to give you an example. Like, so for example, you know, I used to say this to a lot of people. Like, you know, everybody wants to know what the other one is up to. But what I tell them is like, just imagine if you were a tree. Yeah. And if you were in a forest, you would be concerned about the sun. As long as you're getting your sunlight, that's your primary motive, right? You should get your sunlight. Yeah. You will never see a tree being bothered about another tree that, hey, how come he got more sunlight than me? That's right. That's right. In a hospital, right? If you go in an emergency room, every patient on every bed is concerned about the doctor and the healthcare he's getting. No, you, you'll never see anybody saying, hey, how come? How come he got, he got more medicines than me? Yeah. Right? right? Like, like when, 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 say, for example, I'm a, I'm a Christian, right? If, if you go to a mm-hmm. church, you're there to connect with God. You're not there to, to see, hey, how come he got more blessings than I, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, and yet we waste time. We waste yeah. time with this silly minutia when you're very right. Be Just like do your tree. thing. Be like yeah. the tree. You'll, exactly. never see, you'll, you'll never see two trees fighting. Hey, that guy got more sun than me. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, Ashish, it's, a, it's a very simple example. Yeah. It's a very yeah. simple example, but but just think about it. You'll never it's see two, two sunflowers fighting with each other. Hey, how come this guy got more sun than me? You'll never see that happening. But us human beings, man, yeah. we decide to fight over everything. That's right, that's right. But you know, you're right. And you're my kind of person. I, I, I really admire that attitude, Ashish, I do. And I, I think that if more people were like the tree, if more people were like the flower, if more people were like the blade of grass, again, we're we're all in this together. Let's live, let's love, let's do it together. And I think it's a lot more fun that way anyway. That's that's how I grew up. And I would like to have faith that the dinner table and the ambiance and the house that I grew up in, humble, small means, but a lot of love and a lot of culture and, and smart parents. I lucked out in the parent apartment, but I would like to believe that the things that were instilled within me and taught to me are values that are out there today in other people. And I, it, I make it a point to find those people and find those people who want to focus on the good and be part of the good. I love the fact, Laurie, that you know, you're such a family-oriented person, that people matter to you. Tell us a little bit more about your family side, you know, your close friends, uh, because India is a country where, you know, family is like very, very important. We're a lot like Italy in that sense. So, you know, like uh, yesterday I was talking to somebody from Canada. She was also telling me, so tell us about your family, you know, your friends, your close circle, the people in your life. When I grew up, no matter what was happening out in the world, I was very involved with the theater and with is public speaking and plays and and all of that and that was not very cool as you could say that was not sports that was not popular and so there was a lot of bullying and there was a lot of that as i grew up and when i grew up with everything out there all the yucky stuff and kids can be cruel and all of this and in a small town where you're not around a lot of foreign cultures you're not getting other families that are, um, you know, there was a lot that was very limited as far as culture. And yet, no matter what was happening out there, I would come home to my family and there was so much love and we sat and ate dinner together every night and there was warmth. My mother was a journalist. My father was a political science professor and politics and the press sat down together at a dinner table every night and lovingly so. 
And we were encouraged to talk to each other about our days. We were not allowed to, we, we didn't have phones and drones and Game Boy things, and but we weren't allowed to get up and use the dial phone either. We were there. We were not given the choice of having a separate meal. We weren't, we couldn't say, oh, I don't want to eat that. I'll have a pizza. I'm going to go. No, no, this is dinner. And this is what the dinner is. And so today it's a very different observation that I have when I see how people sometimes let their children, you don't like what we're serving, you get up and have pizza or whatever you want to have. But that's not how I was raised. What is familiar to me from family is to get together with close people and have that semblance of warmth and of love and of connectivity and of jokes and of and of and, and even with all of the differences that we may have as far as politics or vaccines or whatever it is today, I still want that connectivity with my dinner table. And so that's very important. Oh, mantra or anything from me at all, just as one little takeaway, I would want people to realize they are lucky to age. They are lucky to be alive. They, those wrinkles remind you you're alive. The, the, the life experience that, you know, women in this country are very conscious with a lot of body hate. And I don't know if that's very prevalent in India, but here women are very it's a very big, terrible, hideous and insidious, insecure thing with a lot of women shaming their body, hating their body, starving themselves, not fearing the food. Food is the enemy. And, and hence, eat a protein bar and don't eat your food. And my wish is that they would realize you're alive. You're alive. Love your God-given figure at whatever size it is, whatever age you are. You're aging. That's a blessing. Life is a blessing. Aging is a blessing. The food is a blessing. It all is. I know it sounds so idyllic and, and Pollyanna-esque, but I always say try it. I tell you what, try being depressed for 10 minutes and try focusing on the good. And you tell me which one made you feel better. You know, test it out. Call my bluff. Go ahead. Be, go be a miserable human being for 10 minutes. And you tell me if that did, if that raised your blood pressure to a level you're proud of. But you try it out. But, you know, you can't make people be something they're not. And you can't help people who don't want to be helped. But all you can do is try to be part of the good. So uh, I think we're, we're about to draw close to this uh, yes. interview, Laurie. So, um, you know, firstly, I'd like to just like, you know, thank you for your energy, for your optimism, for your stories, you know, for all the light that you have shown. Um, you know, you are such an inspiration. You're, you're so positive. And just talking to you, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, everything will be all right. And that's oh, that's I the kind of that. that's the kind of feeling that I I get, you know. Um, uh, and and I think we've learned a few things from each other too. You know, I learned from you that it's important to get back to the dinner table. Yes. And uh, I think I taught you about being a tree. Yes, you taught me about being a tree, and I love that. And it's going to be. I'm very cognizant now about that because the next time I even for one moment start to get pensive or anything, we all can have that. I'm going to say, no, no. Ashish said, no, you're going to be like a tree. The tree doesn't get bothered about more sunlight over it. No, I'm going to be like a tree. I'm going to work on my posture. I'm going to see if I can be a very good tree, if I'm not yes. a hunched 
feet, right? I'm going to stand up strong. So you were, you know, you taught me a lot of things. And I think too, that uh, moreover, it really is about attitude. And I think you know, what we really saw clearly today, and I'm so grateful and thank you for having me here that whether you're in India and it's what by now 1030 at night, or I mean, it must be close to 1030. Um, it's 1110. At different times of day, at, in entirely different places of the world, you really can raise the roof with optimism. You can raise the roof with energy. And we just did in entirely different places and entirely different cultures. And, and that is one of these, as I say, that is just what life is about to me. So I'm proud of us. And I feel so lucky to have had this shared time. I am going to be like the tree. And every time I do it, I'm going to smile and I'm going to say, it's an ashish tree. That's what it is. Someone's going to say, what kind of tree are you? I'm going to say, it's an ashish tree. And they're going to say, what kind of, what, what kind of tree? I'm going to say, not everybody knows about it, but they will. They will. Give them time. They will. Thank Laurie, you. how was your experience of being on the Ashish David show today? This was a treat. This was wonderful. You know, you're absolutely lovely and you're hilarious and you're very, very smart and you do have a huge heart about what is important. And as you say, the tree analogy is a good one. But as you say, too, you said this life is a very short one. And I think that people should really hear that and really take that in, that this life is a very short one. And everything we move through is transient and temporary, the good, the bad. So enjoy it. Don't dwell on the bad. Enjoy the good. But this was a treat. It was an absolute treat. And I feel lucky. And so thank you for having me and your voice. For everyone who hasn't gotten to hear your Nat Geo voiceovers and your singing and all of it, I feel so lucky. I think you should just send me voice texts randomly whenever you're bored and say, good morning. This is just your Tuesday, just so I can hear the voice. But I feel very lucky, very grateful. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, Laurie, uh, if people want to, like, you know, get in touch with you or want to know more about you or, you know, they have like some questions uh, or maybe if, if they are even in, in your part of the world and if they just want to meet, you know, like over coffee or something, yeah. uh, how can they reach you? Yes. Right now, the best way is through Facebook to find me, Laurie Beth Robbins. There's a personal page there and I will be announcing forthcoming things. So there will be a lot of announcements coming as to what is coming next and where they will be able to find me in a few other places. So, but right now the best way is for them to find me on Facebook and I'm very friendly and I, I don't, I will say hello. I won't bite people. And I'm very grateful for this. I know that you stayed up at a, at a very late way past my bedtime for, for me to be up. So you were very gracious to do this at this hour, but thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Laurie. It, it was wonderful talking to you. Uh, I'm glad that we had this opportunity and I hope me the too. next time we meet, you know, we got a bunch of more things to talk about and we'll, yes. come, up with, we'll come up with new analogies to kind of, you know, go by then. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm going to test the theory of being tree-like and I'm going to tell you how it works out because I already know it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. And yeah. I'm going to make sure that, you know, uh, everybody who I come in contact with, I tell them about the fact that, you know, there's somebody called Laurie Beth Robbins, LBR, all right, somewhere <laughs> in uh, America. And she told me about getting back to the dining table. So let's do that now. <laughs> I love that. That's right. And they'll say, let's go eat. I love it. Well, here's to that. I'll toast you with water. And uh, right. thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Take care. And it was lovely talking you to too. you, Laurie. All right. Ciao, ciao. Thank Bye. You. See you. Bye.